and thank you for listening to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. This is a passion project I have to bring you insight and tactical advice that you can take and run with today from myself and a very talented and genuine group of guests brought together to help you take your family experience from good to great and build that foundation of confidence and respect and wisdom that every parent wants to see their child master before they ever leave home. What I really love, though, is connecting with you and giving you a space to connect with each other, which is exactly why the Family Architects Club exists. This private parents club is designed for every parent going through the 6570, those 6,570 days of the parenthood childhood dynamic, which is where your most influential and most impactful window exists as a parent. And this community supports, it guides, it laughs, it builds together to help you in the greatest project that you will ever have as a parent. That being the 6570 Family Project. So I invite you to come on into this club, get to know people and see what is waiting for you, including a free members only gift that you will love and use over and over and over again as a parent. So I can't wait to see you there. And you can just go to NellieHarden.com slash community. Again, that's NellieHarden.com slash community to get connected and get your free members only gift. So I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sip an iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast, where we are putting aside the power struggles and finding the path to lead our young women forward with confidence, respect, and wisdom, the things that they need to prepare them to be in the world out there. You guys, today I have a wonderful guest on today. I have Cindy Muchnick, and we she is one of the co-authors of The Parent Compass. I'm very excited to have her on here today. And they help parents of teens and tweens parent better in this competitive and very uncertain landscape while also keeping in tune with the mental health and the parent-teen relationship, just like we talk about here and keeping that at the forefront. 
Um, they have been on so many different podcasts and speaking and writing and have many books between them. I cannot wait to get started in this conversation because they both come from backgrounds where they were helping teens and tweens through the educational experience be prepared for moving on to whatever that is going to come after the high school experience. And this book came out as a reflex to the big college scandal that happened back in 2019 and also happened to come out during a time that we were all in the pandemic. And so this is a multi-layered, multifaceted conversation. You guys, it is so good. Buckle in, grab a notebook and a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and listen in. Let's go ahead and get started. Okay, you guys, I cannot wait to have you uh, listen in on this conversation that we're going to have. I am not joking. We got on actually like a half hour ago and we have just been chatting and we're like, oh yeah, we actually have to record something here. Um, So first of all, I just want to welcome Cindy to the 6570 podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here and finally meet you. I know we've been um, following each other and and just interacting uh, through Instagram and things for a while. I've been following the Parent Compass uh, for a while now. So much of your work is integral to uh, pieces of what I do. And I love the messaging that you guys have. And it's always smiles and it's always fun. It's the uplifting music. And I'm just so thankful. First off, I'll I'll just start it off with this. I'm so thankful for you you and in Jen coming together and having this collaboration and writing this book and the message that you're putting out there in the world, especially now today. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, the parent compass, um, my co-author is Jen Curtis. I'm Cindy Muchnick and, and our backgrounds are, we're both had been in the uh, independent college counseling space for 30 plus years combined and working with teens and tweens going through navigating high school and culminating in the college or post high school experience, whatever that might be. But in our case, most of the kids that we were working with were were on the college journey. And um, we just started seeing, you know, not only in the world and the college admission scandal that erupted back in early 2019 with parents behaving very badly in the journey, but also we started just seeing so many of our kids getting so stressed out and being so, um, you know, overwhelmed, overexhausted, depressed, and really becoming so robotic in this yeah. whole high school journey. And these parents that were pushing and managing and, and trying to uplift, but, you know, thought they were being helpful, but really creating more damage and speaking for their kids and advocating for their kids and kind of taking over their lives that we just decided we needed to write a book to help parents behave better. Mm. And so originally the parent compass was an etiquette book, uh, really to teach parents how to behave. And then it became a book of let's help parents navigate the, you know, tween and teen years, um, keeping their kids' mental health in the forefront. They're, you know, wanting to preserve that and wanting to preserve the relationship between the parents and their kids, because we only get them in our homes for a limited amount of years and then they're launched and, we want to try and do our best to have a positive relationship, um, you know, by the time they, they leave the nest. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, 
on here at the 6570, that's how many days are in 18 years. That's why we are intentional during all of that time. And it's our highest intensity, uh, a time of influence and, uh, that we can have. Not to say that we aren't later on, but there's a lot more influences that come in later on. They have the you know adult ticket, so to speak. Um, just because they have that doesn't mean that they're ready to be an adult. But um, this 6570 is definitely the time to pack in those relationships and to really realize that you are not raising a mini me, you are not raising a protege, you are not raising uh, what you a think trophy. is right. <laughs> a trophy, yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you are raising a person, a different person. And you know that's why I call parents architects because we're building and designing the beginning of someone else's life. And, yeah. and it really is such an important job. So I wanna go back real quick because I know the college scandals that happened in 2019 were kind of a big launch point just kind of a, a, a wake up call, right. For you and yeah. Jen and what this was. And I want to just step in. I mean, uh, our listeners know me. I love to step into the psychology. I do psychology, biology. I'm like, how does it work? And what does it do? Right. So the psychology back there, um, why do you think parents and those parents in particular, but parents in general, um, because let's face it, parents that were watching that happening were like, oh, they got caught that stinks for them. Um, or I can relate to what they were doing and why they were doing it, but you know, they went too far and all of these things, but still parents could relate to some threads that were happening, which is, you know, the people that you're talking to. So why do you think parents all of a sudden, not all of a sudden it was, it was gradual over time, but why do you think it came to that, that fulcrum of, I have to do this and, and, um, you know, I, I have to do everything for them. I'm just going to let them sit back while I'm driving the bus. And then they're going to have all these accolades that I can go brag about. I mean, yeah, tell me a little is. bit about I mean, this. It's, it's pretty upsetting and, and kind of twisted. I mean, we, Jen and I kind of um, analogized it a bit to the OJ car chase. Like remember mm. when that came on the news and we were all sort of glued to the television, like this is insane what we're yeah. watching this, you know, this white car just drive for hours and hours until it, I guess, runs out of gas. But um this really was like a standoff and a punch to the gut, especially for professionals like me and Jen who really cheerlead and advocate and support these kids during some pretty challenging times. And I think that, um, yes, it kind of probably reached this breaking point. It was obviously, I, I hate to give more press to, to the story because I think it was, you know, it, it's still the final sentences are still being given out to these parents. I mean, these parents served real jail time. These were yeah. white collar crimes that were being committed. They were, you know, faking test scores, faking transcripts, faking student resumes, you know, with, with a mastermind involved in, in helping these families do it. But there was a lot of just bribery and scandal. And I think parents got to a point or this group of parents just got to a point for, yes, there's this combination of cocktail party chatter and real ego where a parent just feels like my kid just is ill-equipped to do this. And so I'm going to do this for them. And the message it sent to all these kids, and I guess teenagers worldwide, is that we don't feel they're enough. Right. We don't feel that who they are as who they are, the kind of student they are, the kind of interests that they have, you know, their, their authentic selves, I guess, to these parents or parents who behave in this way are telling their kids, you know, we just don't think you're enough. You're not capable enough. We don't think your journey is important enough. And therefore we're going to manipulate it. We're going to, you know, 
are architected in a way that's really crossing a lot of bad lines. And so the PS to really all of it is yes, that kind of was the peak. Although I would imagine, you know, people will argue that making donations to college campuses and legacy status and all these other things play into a much bigger broken system of the college admissions system. I mean, the reality on all of this is that we have over 4,000 colleges in the United States and parents, typically parents tend to focus on like a hundred of them Mm. (laughs) as somehow being this magical list of schools that will make you happy and successful in life. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. And these hundred or so, you know, are are just scarce. They have limited spots and applicants applying to, you know, 25 colleges. I mean, ridiculous amounts of applications. And just by the numbers themselves, they have to just shrink more and more. And COVID certainly added its own additional twist to making, you know, the college admission decision process and acceptance process absolutely out of whack. And so if parents could open their mind to schools beyond schools on a list um, that, you know, they think are more important than others, you know, many colleges, most colleges in the country have over a 60% acceptance rate. (laughs) So let's just broaden the scope right there, first of all. And let's look at these kids who are working so hard. They already feel the pressure. They feel Mm -hmm. it from their classmates. They feel it within themselves. They see it on the news. Um, you know, it's, there's already enough pressure and throw COVID in there. Let's, you know, tell them how much we love them for who they are and, and support what their interests are. And so the parent compass is really trying to teach us to appreciate the child we have in front of us and to do some really deep self-examination as parents of who we are and what baggage we're bringing to the table before we can even parent these kids well. We've got to let go of a lot of our own biases, our own past, our own journey, because Jen and I always say, you know, we had our turn and now it's their turn. It's Mm. not our turn anymore. So, (laughs) okay. I have so much to unpack here. (laughs) No, we're, we're, we're staying there. Okay. So I, I want to get back to the fact that they, like you were saying, they, they um, forged these documents, they forged all of uh, this material and it really was, yeah, we don't believe in you. So we're going to fake it and we're going to fake it until you can make it, but we're actually not going to pour what needs to, right? If, if you keep faking it, they will never make it. Right. That's the, that's the whole problem. They won't have those uh, skill sets, mindsets in order to, um, you know, we, you talk a lot about resilience in the book, right. And so they won't have that because they're, I don't know, busy playing tennis or something. Yeah. yeah, This is the extreme, the extreme helicopter tiger, you know, version of parenting that, that we're talking about, but in the parent compass, we're also just talking to everyday normal parents Mm -hmm. saying, be careful. Because the way you behave on the sidelines, the way you behave towards your kids' teachers, the way you behave in your home, the way you behave in the car ride. I mean, all those things, you know, our kids see it, our kids feel it, our kids model it. And so we have to kind of keep all this in perspective. And this wonderful psychologist that we interviewed with, um, Dr. Dan Peters on the parent footprint, told us this quote that we use a lot now, which is the only thing you have when your kids leave home, the only thing left remaining is your relationship. And so you have these 18 years, like your podcast is focusing on to build that relationship. And in that time, of course, we want our kids to learn resiliency. Of course, we want them to learn self-advocacy. Of course, we want them to learn what excites them and what really, you know, they struggle with too, so that we can, yes, support them, but equip them, really equip them. Because They're saying that college students, they've said this for over a decade, they refer to them as teacups. 
that they get to college so fragile and so Mm. shaky that they're going to crack like a little dainty teacup because parents are still, you know, calling them to be their alarm clocks in the morning and, you know, and getting them laundry services to do their laundry and sending them, you know, meals. And like, I mean, it's just, you know, it has to stop. Like the insanity part has to stop and we do all know better. So um, the parent compass just keeps reminding you. So it's not an easy, it's an easy read in the sense that you can read it over a weekend and you can (laughs) apply many of the ideas instantly. It's never too late at whatever point you're at. If you're a sixth grade parent or a even a senior in high school, there's still changes that can be made. But, um, but that being said, um, you know, the book is really meant to kind of be a guide to help you navigate. Yeah. Oh, so good. And okay. So, um, and, uh, we were talking a little bit about this beforehand. So you talk about in chapter three, praise the journey, not the destination. So what is that destination you guys are talking about there that, we, we don't want to focus necessarily on that, but let's focus on the way there. Right. So the journey, the journey part, obviously, I mean, I think we all know the journey is, is really all those snapshots and photographs we take along the way, right? It's all the things that are happening along the way. And it's a little bit weird because saying it that way, obviously there is some destination and whatever that destination is, it's a destination, whether it's college or whether it's what we talk about in our final chapter, which are all these other alternative routes trade school, the military, um, taking a gap year, community college, you know, it's not just college as kind of the destination. There are these other destinations and we don't even always know what is going to be the destination for our kids, right? Because not every one of them are ready to go to college or are gearing up in those four years to go to college. And so A, we have to be more flexible. And I think that's one of the good byproducts of COVID is that nowadays when we say, oh, my kid's taking a gap year or my kid's going to go you know, do a project for a year or whatever. Most parents go, oh, that's really cool. Or oh, what a great break for them as opposed to, oh, like, are they not ready or what's wrong? You know, I mean, now it's really embraced, I think, and much more accepted. But talking about praising the journey really means looking at your kids while they're going through just their day-to-day experiences and, and not just scooping them up and fixing things, but really watching, observing, and supporting, certainly letting them know that you're there to cheerlead, you're there to support, but also when they do have these setbacks, these failures, these bad grades, these bad social experiences with friends or a bad conversation with a teacher, that you sit with them through that and you let them feel it and you don't just cover them in hugs and kisses and love and rainbows and try to fix it. You, you know, you listen a lot, you learn, you get better listening skills in the journey, you get better, you know, at question asking skills as parents in, in observing their journey. And then you are preparing them for whatever the destination might be, but you're not having the destination be this goal that everything we're doing has to do with your grades and your test scores and getting to this prize at the end. Because as we know, as parents, you have to take the long view and the long view isn't just the view to get to college. It's the view for life, right? You know, every, you're a therapist as well, but I mean, every parent wonders like, oh my God, what's my kid going to some someday say on their chair, if they're not already seeing a therapist now, and they see one later, you know, is it going to have to do with me? And we don't want to be that parent. So, you know, we want to teach our kids to self-advocate while we're praising that journey. So that's, those are important skills. We want to help them learn how to recover from failure. 
in, you know, in that journey. And then we really want to, um, you know, do, I don't know, you're probably familiar with Carol Dweck and the growth mindset, but, you know, in summary, you know, if we focus on, you know, things that are just short-term gains, we're not, um, you know, helping our kids with the much bigger picture. And I do recommend, you know, reading, reading and getting to know a little bit of Carol Dweck. We've um, summarized it shortly in the chapter. And that's one thing I think we did well in the book, which was we went to a lot of data, a lot of experts, a lot of people outside of just our, our smaller world. And um, Jen and I, you know, share our parenting mistakes in the book. We share our, you know, college counseling sessions and case studies with lots of kids that we've worked with. But we also turn to these wonderful thought leaders like Carol Dweck, like Lisa Damore, like Kelly Corrigan, um, you know, um, different, different, um, you know, people that we interviewed along the way. We interviewed teachers, we interviewed um, heads of school and, you know, administrators, we interviewed kids. Like we really tried to kind of give a more complete picture. And then we included the data to mm. support that, but in a pretty user-friendly way. So there's not a lot of charts and numbers, but <laughs> there's definitely statistics that will, that will, you know, bolster and support what we're talking about. And I think, you know, for, for me, uh, the scientist in me, I, I love that part of the book. Um, so yeah, going, going back to, I want to say, you know, uh, I love what you said, you know, we had our turn now it's their turn and, but this parenthood childhood dynamic, right. It's growth for both. And so you, uh, all those things you were listing, right? You're becoming a better observer. You're becoming a better question asker and all of those things as a parent. And I think one of the biggest and best things we can do as a parent is be vulnerable to that, right? So yeah. with my four daughters, there has been many, many times that I just look and I'm like, I, you know, this is a hard situation. I'm not sure exactly what to do here. So I'm going to have to think on this for a while and let's, let's come back tomorrow. Right. Instead of just like throwing out all of these consequences yeah. or what have you, um, but being able to look at them and say, this is hard or being able to apologize because you messed up. Right. Those are some of those steps along the journey and, and helping them uh, build that vulnerability and resilience so that they can get to sure. their destination. Because I think as parents, I think, you know, when we have our little ones and they're so little and it's like, when you grow up, you're going to be so blah, blah, blah. Right. And we like overshoot our influence window. And so we're talking about what they're going to do at 35 and instead of where we get to take them to, because I, I, um, I think it's important as uh, parents, you know, we do everything for them during the first half of parenthood. And, uh, during the second half of parenthood, we come alongside them and do things with yep. them because we're transitioning and helping. That's and then right. later on, we just become the lighthouse, you know, for them, uh -huh. but we, we overshoot. We're, we like, we're talking about the lighthouse period and we're like, Oh wait, what can I do during this time during this very yep. intentional, um, time we have there. And I think it's really important. One of the other, um, chapters you guys have is about how school is a job. And this is something that I have uh, talked about before. Um, we mentioned that I, I just uh, stopped homeschooling after seven years, loved it. Um, who knows, we might go back at some point, but right now we're not. But 
all of the conferences that we've been to as a family, that was something that was kind of um, encouraged as well. Like, this is your job right now. This is your focus. This is, uh, you know, what you can work hard to succeed at. It's not just some state mandated thing you got to go and be present for. Right. Right. And so I, I want you to um, tell the listeners a little bit more about that from you, your perspective, how school is a job and how to teach that to them. So it's really funny. I, um, I have written previous books on study skills and college essay writing and time management and helping books to kind of help teens um, be students. And um, this idea of school being your job is something I presented at lots and lots of schools. In fact, my own kids kind of laugh because they sort of have the mantra now that, you know, yes, school is our job and you have your job. We get it, the whole thing. But it's not meant to be. I mean, when I talk about it as a job, I talk about school being a job because it's so essential to gain not just these life skills um, in, you know, in the school setting, but these um, skills that you're going to have when you when you leave school. And, and what I mean by it is um, in school, you have, you know, four five or six, seven different bosses. You have these teachers who are basically your bosses or these coaches who are the kind of your leaders that you have to report to. Right. And your job as a student is to really figure out what they want. Um, you can go against them. You know, you can debate, you don't have to agree with everything they say, but you do have to figure out what each of them wants. And so my oldest son, who is now a school teacher um, professionally, has said to me, I remember you always saying, mom, figure out what they want, how they want, the way they want it, and give it back to them that way. And it sounded a little bit robotic when you sort of say it that way. But the reality is that you need to learn what your bosses want you to do in your work. And so some teachers want you to memorize a lot. Some teachers want you to participate a lot in class. Others want you to come in outside of class. Others want to just lecture and have you regurgitate. I mean, they have all these different styles and in outside of school, you're going to have all these different people you co-work with or that you answer to, or maybe you're going to be your own boss. But the point is, is that in that process of school, waking up and getting up and doing your job of being a student all day, you're going to figure out, you know, what things tick for you. So your kids are going to come home telling you, you know, this is the class I really loved or this is the teacher I really loved, or this is the topic I really didn't love. And sometimes a great teacher can can make a subject that a kid didn't really, wasn't very inspired by be really inspiring. And sometimes a not so great teacher can ruin a topic that kids usually, you know, really like. But to circle back on, on why it's a job is that I think our kids need to see that we get up and do something every day, whether it's managing our home or whether it's, you know, running our own business or going out to the workplace or or our workplaces at home, wherever it might be. And so their job is to kind of get up and be a student. And obviously everything they learn isn't going to apply to everything in their life, but the skills they get, the life skills they get from the mistakes they make or from the test taking or from the communicating with their teachers or getting along with their peers are going to carry through for the rest of their lives. And so I just think it's a good analogy for kids to feel like, well, why am I doing this? And this is so boring. You're doing it because this is your job for right now. And you don't have to do it for forever. I mean, I think my kids sometimes look at me and think, gosh, you don't have any homework. You don't have any, you know, and I think, yes, you know, we all put in our time kind of in doing that, but sometimes I miss those days. Like I want to go sit in the back of a classroom and take notes and just listen and enjoy it and appreciate, you know, the learning and not every kid or adult, you know, thinks that's fun or wants to do that. But that's really where the think of school like your job kind of came from. <laughs> mm. 
I'm that, I'm that way too. I mean, I am a committed lifelong learner. I mean, yeah. I, I've thought about, I was like, maybe when I'm like, I don't know, old seventies, eighties, I'll just like sneak into college lectures. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. So, um, I, I raised my kids in Southern California for, I don't think I've ever told this story on a podcast, but I raised my kids <laughs> for, you know, 20 years in Southern California and we lived near, um, uh, a camp, a UC campus. And I got the course catalog and um, I was really inspired to sit in the back of an art history class with like 300 students because I studied art history. And I'm like, oh, I just want to go and be in a dark room and have someone teach me, teach me about art. And so um, I found this, this class and I just wandered into the back and I brought a notebook and a pen and um, my kids came home that night. And they're like, what did you do today, mom? You know, we're having our download. And I said, oh, I went to school today. And they said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, well, I'm, I'm auditing a class. And they said, what? Like we, and they looked at me and they said, were you dressed like that? I think I was in like a dress with my purse or whatever. And they said, they said, no, mom, you're not blending in. You have to blend in. And so they, um, for that, like I did it for a couple months and they ended up buying me a school sweatshirt from the school. And they told me that's what I need to wear to school and that I need to carry a backpack, even though I'm old, <laughs> I need to, I need to blend in a little more. And I have to say, um, that like three to six month period where I took two different courses, I audited them. I ultimately like introduced myself to the teacher and asked, is it okay for me to sit in the back? I didn't want to just take advantage of, sure. you know, of school tuition and funding. Um, and I have to say they were the greatest, greatest six months. I mean, I had full notebooks. My brain was right. I wasn't being tested on any, but it was just so interesting to learn yeah. for learning's sake. And I think my kids kind of got a kick out of it. Um, I, that wasn't the goal. It was purely selfish for me, but it was like, I needed that. And I'm ready to go do it again. We've moved and we moved near a different college campus. And so if you see me wandering around a college <laughs> campus, I really could be a, a secret student. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, everyone should just go break in and do that locally, but, you know, go enrich yourself as adults. We should, yeah. we should allow ourselves that gift. Um, if that excites us, <laughs> it's so funny. My kids laugh at me all the time because especially being their teacher for the last seven years, I get oh. really jazzed about science. And so in this past year, I was able to teach on the history of science for history. And we were teaching, um, you know, science, I was teaching science the whole year and, you know, homeschooling comes in a million different flavors, but my flavor was up at the board. This is me taking notes and you're taking notes <laughs> behind me. And so it was like a more traditional, I guess, but anyway, um, I, one of my side hobbies is studying particle physics. I love it. And wow. so my kids, I like, I come downstairs and I'm talking about, you know, black holes and I'm talking about, you know, universe, uh, theories and all of this. And they're like, mom, like, are we making dinner? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I think you're a big nerd. That's yeah, good. and I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. I, I'll you know tattoo nerd on my forehead. That's fine. Um, I, I just know. I think science is so fascinating. But my point is, I think it's good for them to see how excited I am to learn. Of and, course, that, yeah. that can never hurt. And and I'll, I'll just want to flip that for one second, Nelly, because um, in the book we really do talk about um about finding really understanding for your kids what it is that excites them. Mm -hmm. And it could be very different from what excites us. Oftentimes it is. So it's not going to necessarily be particle physics for all four of your kids. Maybe <laughs> one of them. I don't um, think any of them. of them. <laughs> maybe none of them. But but as a parent, if we can make part of our goal to, to hook in to what excites our kid and mm. let them teach us. So I've had parents tell me, you know, I've learned so much about the stock market from my kid, or I've learned so much about 
professional basketball from my kid, or I've learned so much about, you know, um, you know, whatever current events, because that's my kid's thing. And finding out what are the things that excite your kid, whether it's a hobby or whether it's an academic interest and let them guide you, let them share your enthusiasm and be willing to learn from them because that bonds you in this really special way. Of course, it's wonderful when they share your interests, because then you have that commonality and you sort of do feel this like pride and excitement that, oh, we share this special love. Like I'm a little bit of a Broadway show junkie and Mm. two of my kids, they will go to any musical at any hour of any day, professional children's performances. It doesn't matter. Like I am always listening to like the XM Broadway station in the car and they will, you know, two of them will accompany me to anything. Like I know if I get two tickets, I'll find someone to come. My other two kids are like, nah, that is just not, you know, that's not my thing. So I love that we share that, but then I also share with a different kid, you know, whatever each of their interests are. So while it doesn't always excite me, I think that has to be one of our goals. It's only fair, right? 100%. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 100%. Um, I, just because this was a thought that crossed my head and, uh, it might've been one of our listeners too, when we were talking about how school is a job, I just want to go back there for a second because I've had some of my clients, um, I almost said students, clients, kids, um, say this to them is, well, I'm going to be my own, or I'm going to be my own boss, or I don't want a boss because they want to own their own company, which I think is great. I've, you know, I've been an employee, I've been uh, owner of my own company. And I think it's important then that those kids, especially that want to, I don't want a boss, right? I want to own my own company. Well, then you have to learn how to be a leader and a follower of yourself. Right. And so that's even more so. And so parents, instead of being shut down by that, if your kid says that, and like go harder and, and push and explore and have greater conversations with them even more because they're going to have to be a leader and a follower. Yeah. Um, at the and, same and, time. and have to know how to get along with people, not yeah. just manage them, but get along well, especially if you're going to be that leader and you want people to, um, you know, support the work that you're doing or support the vision that you're trying to execute. So yeah, that does make sense. It's a very pivotal time, Nellie, obviously in the world of like careers and it's hard to have the crystal ball of knowing how it's going to affect our kids with, you know, traditional offices really shifting. Um, you know, I know a lot of kids just out of college now that, you know, still barely go into an office and that it's sad because they're, they're behind screens doing their first jobs, as opposed to being in an environment around other people to learn from, you know, in real life. And so it would just be interesting to see how it unfolds. And I think as parents, we have to be extra kind of sensitive to that. You know, it's, it's just our, our world is flipped in, in a lot of new ways. And they're saying that, you know, fewer and fewer, you know, businesses are going to go back now that we've seen how virtual works. And so I just hope for our kids sakes, I worry because I know that that socialization is so important and I know the mentorship and it's not that you can't get it through a computer screen, but as we all know, being, you know, next to each other in a room, sharing, sharing the same oxygen, hopefully in a healthy way, yes. <laughs> you know, is, is so important for, for everyone's growth and just for humanity to, to be less, you know, less virtual and less tech robotic, you know, having the screen has been a blessing, but I, I'm, I don't want it to just, to also be just a curse for these kids that are, that are getting out there, um, you know, cause they do need a place I think to go and congregate and be around other people, their age and other adults that can mentor them and that they can learn from. So yeah. I'm a little worried about losing the water cooler completely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can understand that. 
Okay. So to kind of, uh, close up our last thing I want to go. So I have a 17 year old that's going into her senior year. So I'm going to like, if I could come and just like be a fly on your wall, uh, during this next year of my life, um, I, I will. And there's a lot of transitions that are coming up and, um, we're a hundred percent focused on what do you want? What do you, you know, she wants to be a therapist. So, um, you know, we're trying to find different psychology schools and where we could do that. And she's in dual enrollment. And so we have that, you know, to play a part in all of these things. And there's just so much to figure out as a parent, so much to figure out as a kid. And then they're going into this transition. What I want to ask you is because of, I mean, we've brought up the pandemic a few times because it is our world, you know, now, and it, and I agree that it's flipped us. Is there anything different now or anything more parents um, can focus on now or help their kid with since they're going from this and still in COVID world, right? Right. But also now adding this uh, traditional uh, transition that's been going on when your kid turns around 18-ish, right? And they're heading to whatever they're doing, whether that's college or all those other options that you were talking about. But in that, with the pandemic in mind, how, what are just a couple key things parents can do in this senior year? Yeah. So first of all, um, I think the biggest word relating to this right now, maybe two words I would throw out would be empathy mm-hmm. and flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, the empathy piece really comes from the sense that, you know, we, we are not in their shoes right now experiencing these last few years of what education has felt like in schools and behind screens. And I, and for, for young people, I mean, if you want to talk about resilience, I mean, sometimes the word resilience bothers me because I feel like it's what all it's kind of become the buzzword, like, Oh, you're also resilient. You're learning resilience. You know, this, not none of them were asking for that. None of us were asking for this, but I think in this, this adolescent journey, I, I, I remember when the pandemic began thinking like, who's going to suffer the most, like the senior citizens are going to suffer because they're, you know, old, older, and, you know, might be more frail and, and susceptible to this disease that could take their lives. So that's scary. These parents with these tiny toddlers at home that are never going to remember the pandemic and the way that they experienced it, but these parents have to kind of protect them and, and keep them at home longer. Um, homeschooling parents are feeling whatever, but I, I have to say, and maybe it's because I've worked with teens for 25 years. I honestly felt the worst for like the teens, tweens and early college years. I just felt like what is going to happen to these kids with this, totally agree with this shift. It's seismic. It's, we don't even know, you know, we're going to look back on this in 10, 20, 30 years with all this data of sort of what, what happened to all these kids and how did this really impact and affect them right now? We're so we're still in it towards the end and, and short term, you know, looking at, at how they're feeling. And so I guess the biggest piece I would say is first empathy, which would be to just know that what, what we've been through is one thing, but what our kids have been through, I think is really expanded way. And is, is much more significant than what we've gone through because going back to the quote, you know, we had our turn, you know, these years are so crucial in their development and they are becoming adults and, and they are gaining that independence and they want to be their own bosses, not just, not just in the real world, but they want to be their own bosses. Now, you know, they don't want us, you know, being in charge, they want to be in charge. And it's been so uncertain that it's hard to get, you know, sure footing in this stage. So to be there kind of as the support and as the empathy and to give them more time and show them that grace and patience that might be hard because we want to say, come on, you know, college or whatever, post high school around the corner, like let's get set up. 
um, they just may not be there yet and may need more time. And then that brings me to the second word, which should I think be flexibility. And, you know, I hate to use just sort of the, throw these big words out without the, you know, support under them. But the point would be that I just think um, the rules have completely flipped and changed. And so we just have to be way more flexible to kids choosing alternative routes, kids telling us they're not quite ready. Um, you know, I have two of my kids have said they feel like they have such holes in their math and in, in, in certain subjects that weren't able to be taught like face to face. And they feel like, you know, some of them are working now in these, you know, flipped classrooms or these environments that are exploratory learning where the kids work together and the teachers kind of sit there and only facilitate as opposed mm. to your traditional method of being at the board and, and teaching. And so I think kids have just lost a lot and they've lost a lot of confidence along the way. Yeah. So if we can be flexible and express to them, like, listen, we're here if we're exploring, in your daughter's case, these different schools for to, to get into therapy and to get into psychology. You know, there's going to be such a broad range and we may stay close and local. Maybe you'll take some extra community college classes to be sure this is what you want. Maybe you don't need to specialize so soon. Let's be open to other subjects. What, you know, do you want a huge college or a small college? We're still going to ask those same questions. And I don't think that either us or our kids really know the answers. I mean, I just was so thrilled that they went back in person, right? When my kids finally got a chance to go back. So um, I think those are kind of the two common themes. I'd say for you with a daughter that's an entering senior, my biggest piece of advice would be get the writing done over the summer, get mm. as much application writing done, which means, you know, pull up the questions from the common application, pull up the question from, you know, your, your, your local, like in California, we have the UCs. So they have their own um, questions, University of California colleges, whatever essays can be written over the summer, get them done because the school year is going to start and they don't want to be working over Thanksgiving and winter break on figuring out, you know, their personal statement. There just is a good amount of writing. Um, unless you're maybe at a state school, that's, that's kind of focus just on the grades and test scores and not the writing, um, get, get a lot of those essays done. And um, it's hard for these kids to write a personal narrative. They've never been asked to self-reflect necessarily. They've learned their five paragraph essay. They've learned their argumentative essay, but to actually do a first person, you know, 650 words that gives a glimpse of who you are. It's not your life story. It's pretty hard to do. It's a pretty challenging skill set. So um, I would say that would be just kind of another helpful thing to try to just get a little bit of a jump start. And then obviously, as for parents, to try to spend that senior year getting a few life skills in there, like the laundry, if you haven't hit that yet, <laughs> yeah. cooking some basic things. Catherine Newman, um, a fellow author, wrote a great book called How to Be a Person. And it's really written for middle schoolers, but I think it would be great for high schoolers <laughs> and those going off to college to kind of teach you the basics of how to cook a chicken and how to you know, write a thank you note if you haven't learned how to do that and, um, you know, how to self-advocate and how to um, clean a toilet. So, you know, those are our, our important skills that we can help teach our kids before they go. I still get calls. In fact, yesterday, my son moved into his first apartment and he said, where do I put the dishwashing detergent? And I got a photo of these different <laughs> pockets in the door of the dishwasher. And I loved getting the call. And I'm like, oh, I think it's the square one with the cap that pops open try putting it in there. It's like, well, there's two sides, which side does it go in? You know I mean? So and that's great. You know, I'm glad he's asking. I'm glad I can teach from a distance, but we can teach some of that stuff at home too. <laughs> save yeah. ourselves, save them a little bit of the phone call and the embarrassment, but I'm glad he asked so, without throwing him under the bus. That's so funny. Anyway. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much. That is a wonderful advice, by the way. And we will, uh, we will definitely, um, 
take advantage of that. But thank you so much for being here. You guys, if you have not read The Parent Compass yet, go get it. It is such a good book. Um, And you, I promise, will find nuggets of wisdom in each and every chapter that you can apply and you can start using. And even more, even more, you can help a friend with, right? Help your sister or your brother out with, with their kids too, right? And so if we can start being more of a grassroots parents helping parents world. Um, it's going to be a lot better for ourselves and for our kids. So thank you so much for being thank on you here. so much, Nellie. And what you said about grassroots, this is a movement. The parent mm-hmm. compass is a movement and we're trying to spread it like wildfire. And these wonderful book clubs have been springing up where parents are helping parents saying, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how hard this is. Let's be, you know, on the park bench together and let's, you know, help our kids and help ourselves, um, you know, along this journey in the appropriate ways without crossing those lines that, you know, and, and every day we make mistakes. Like I, I'm not perfect. Jen's not perfect. We all know this is, this is, you know, a trial and error in some ways, but hopefully the parent compass can be, um, you know, a good guidebook to kind of keep us on the course. (laughs) Absolutely. I could not agree more. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nellie. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for being here for another episode. We'll be back next week with another episode of the 6570 family project podcast. Remember you guys, keep teaching, keep laughing, keep loving, and above all, remember to keep showing up with intention in this 6570 parenthood childhood experience because they need you. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that want to love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life. And that's what goes into these first 6,570 days and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives. So come join the club. You can find your invitation on the front page of my website, NellieHarden.com. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. Thank you again for being a part of this conversation today. And if something really resonated with you, or if you have a question, please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you loved the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.